you know, as we look at this, congratulations and happy anniversary to the church. It is an exciting time uh, to be here, but it's also an exciting time to be alive in, in the kingdom. You know, we started um, in, uh, this thing keeps going off on me there. I got to make that longer in between. <clears throat> we started in, uh, I, we got saved in, in 87, or I did. She's been saved her whole life, you know. She never drank, never swore, never nothing. She skipped school one time and told her mother that she did. I said, you got problems. Why would you tell your mother? She says, well, I didn't want to hurt my mom's heart. And I thought, that's incredible. I didn't want to hurt my mom's heart, so I didn't tell her anything. I mean, just <laughs> the same purpose, just two different ways of looking at it. But, um, you know, and so she got the, we got, we started dating, and she thought I was a good Christian boy. Didn't know I got saved that night, and I was out of control. But, you know, God started a work then, and we moved back to New York, and we became part of a church over there, Greenville Christian Life Center, and I sent under my pastor from 87 to 99, and then we got sent out to Plant Rock Solid Church in March of 99, which is our 24th anniversary here on the 28th. And, um, you know, we just keep on building the kingdom of God and coming alongside to say, don't stop. There's nothing else worth doing other than the kingdom of God and what he's called you to do. Don't stop. Don't look at every, any face in here. Just keep looking at him. Because these guys are a little bit scary sometimes, you know? <laughs> and not here. I'm sorry. I was talking about the people in New York. All right? But uh, <clears throat> don't stop. You can't do anything else. You won't be happy doing anything else. Nothing else will challenge you the way that he will and what he's called you to do. <clears throat> and we're just so proud of you. We are so proud of the way that you've answered the call and stood through it. Because, you know, when you lose half of your congregation, how many know that's not a very encouraging day? No. Right? When people walk in that fear, they walk afraid or whatever, whatever the reasoning is, and they just draw back and they're like, I don't think I can keep pushing in. Somebody's got to press in. And that's us. Amen? We're the ones that don't stop. Dads don't quit. Dads don't give up. Doesn't matter what's in the checkbook. We keep going out there trying to find some more work, something else to make sure the family's taken care of. It's the same thing with the call of God on your life and the life of everyone else in here, Pastor Joseph and the rest of them. We don't stop because of tough times. We don't give up. We don't back off. That's when we buckle down and say, Lord, we can't do it in our own strength. I need you. And with you, Father, uh, me and you together, we're unstoppable. And that's the way it is, because if he's going before me, who's going to stand before my God? Nobody. I'm just a sniveling little weak thing behind him. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. And that's how I started out walking. People said, ah, you don't preach the word of God. Ah, you're not a pastor. Ah, oh, you're destroying the church. People said all kinds of things. They think that they can say whatever they want. Yeah, they, they shouldn't. You can say whatever you want, but you shouldn't. Because how many know we all said some things that we should have never said? Just because you have a thought in your mind doesn't, need, doesn't mean it should be released. Yeah. Amen. Right? Every thought in your head doesn't need to be released. Give yourself two or three hours before it comes out. It used to say five seconds, ten seconds. Give it about a couple of hours, and I guarantee there'd be a lot less nonsense, a lot less problems in the body of Christ and in, in the world. This morning, I just want to speak about <clears throat> that in contrast, there is clarity. In contrast, there is clarity. You've got to have contrast in order to bring clarity. 
right? God wanted to show the world through marriage his glory and all of his attributes where two become one. Can I tell you, there's some contrast in marriage. Contrast sometimes brings conflict. And then we got to learn how to walk through that. You know, my, I, I'm just so grateful for my wife that she stayed with me. She was just kind and nice, you know, growing up down there in the deep south and not getting into all of that stuff. She's going to get something special when she gets to heaven, you know. She does. That she just stuck with me through it all. Of changing, that's right, a medal. No, her trophy's about this high. No medal hanging around her neck. <clears throat> but contrast brings clarity. And that's what our job is. We're to bring contrast into a world that is lost and running in darkness. That's what God's called us to do. You know, God's been preparing this church for this outpouring that's coming. Yes. I don't know how many of you said, you know, saw what happened in Asbury, <clears throat> right? They had a time, just some young kids wanted to get together and pray. And then after the prayer service was over, they said, no, we just want to pray a little bit more. Oh, that the church would say that, Amen. right? Oh, that the church would say, hey, no, pastor, pastor, stop, don't give up. We want to pray a little bit more. Or else, Pastor, you guys, you go on home. We're going to stay here and we're going to pray just a little bit more. And those young kids just sat there and they prayed. And, you know, people complained and mocked it and made fun of it. Christians. Yeah. Christians giving them a hard time. Them college kids that just wanted God. Had a couple of girls came back to our church that had gone out there to meet some friends. And they said, you know what? The music was terrible. <laughs> but we didn't care. Because what was everybody looking for, and what is everybody looking for now? The presence of God. We've got the Word of God, right? We've got the Word of God. We've got the gift of the Holy Ghost, although most people don't tap into that, and they don't have an understanding of who He is and what He's done for their lives and the power they now possess. But we've got the Word of God. We've got the body of Christ. We've got great teaching, preaching. We've got the love of God. But people still, the one thing that we all have to walk in is the presence of God. And when the presence of God shows up, the world comes in and the world gets changed. People flew in from around the world, heathens. Glenn Beck wanted to go there. He, this guy used to be a Mormon. Uh, no, um, yeah, he was a Mormon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think he's a Mormon anymore because he'd been running with one of, the, one of the guys that teaches faith out there in Denver. Uh, I forget his name. He's been running with one of them guys, and all of a sudden his, his speech has changed over the years. And uh, now he starts talking about Jesus as the Messiah and the Savior. And he wanted to go out there, and they said, no, please don't come. We don't want your cameras out here. Fox News said, yeah, we want to come. They said, no, nah, don't bother. Don't come. Kerry Jobin out there, they said, that's fine, but you ain't singing. <clears throat> then another gentleman who had another so-called revival, but uh, it crashed and burned. And he said, you know, I got convicted in the shower, and I want to come out, and I want to be a part of this. They said, please don't. You know, one of the worst things that we can do is those of old go in and try to control what God is doing now. God always, you know why he uses the young so often? They don't have all the preconceived ideas. They don't have all the hang-ups. They don't have those, oh, I remember him. He, he is no good. We are not going there. They don't have that. They're like, yeah, everybody, come on in. One person said, there were four of those people up front and that Asbury, they were homosexuals. And they were up there just crying and praying and worshiping. That's right, they were homosexuals. But one moment with the Father and everything changes. And that's what God's doing. 
That's what we're in the middle of. Can you hear the rain? Can you hear the rain coming? You see, because if we're listening to the, to the Word of God and we're listening to the call of God in our lives, we can hear the rain coming saying, it's coming, get ready. And God's saying, get ready because I need you and you and you and you. I need every single person in here, but I need you in a place where you're strong enough where you're not distracted by the cares of this world because you're going to have to bring clarity. Because how many know there's a whole bunch of <clears throat> darkness that's out there? Right? Everything. My son, he, uh, they played football, and he said, I want to do drama. I told him in yesterday and, uh, <clears throat> in the public school. And uh, so we said, well, that's, they go hand in hand. But uh, I said, yeah, go, man. <clears throat> and he had the lead part for the drama. And then his, his, the girl that he likes, she had the lead part for the, the girl side. And he came home, and he was talking to my wife, and he said, you know, Mom, I don't think I can do this. After they read through the script, First, they just wanted to see if they had any acting ability. Then they read the script. After we read the script, he came home and he says, I don't think I can do this. I just don't feel right. And she said, what's the matter? What's the play about? He said, well, the bottom line is they, I have to go in and I have to shoot up the school. I have to kill three people, write a suicide note for two of them and say that they were homosexuals even though they weren't, and then i got to kill myself in the end. Public school. I called the superintendent. He didn't get right back to me. <laughs> Took him a couple of days. And by then, the principal had already called my wife. And my son went in the next day, and he said, I can't do this. There's no way. You know, I thought we were doing a play. I didn't know we were doing this. And he said, my heart, my conviction is I can't be a part of this. And so then word got out of what kind of play they were going to do. And then the next day, the uh, principal called my wife, and she said, Mrs. Halstead, don't worry, we're not doing this play. I just found out about it. And we're so blessed that your son stood up and said no. That's all we need. One person to say no. One person to say, I'm not going down that road. I don't care what you call yourself. I don't care what term you're going to try to come up with to describe yourself. There's only two. There's a male and a female. And the church is afraid to say no. That's right. But I believe that we're coming into a time where contrast is what we're going to have to be in the middle of. And we're the ones that are going to have to say no. Because contrast is going to bring clarity. Contrast is going to bring clarity. We just say no. Yeah, but you have to do this. Mm, no. <laughs> no is a good word. Yeah. It's a very good, not when kids are small, talking to their parents, obviously. But when it comes to the foolishness of this world, uh, no, I don't think so. Oh, you have to. No, I don't. Here's what I have to do. I have to go according to the Word of God. Contrast, it means to set an opposition in order to show and emphasize, or emphasize differences. Is the church different? That's a tough question. Because some things that are going on in the world are going on in the church. But not here, nope. in the name of Jesus. Not here in this house. Because it's the word of God plus nothing. Nothing else are we going to be governed by. There's no way that the rules and the, and the ways of man are going to come in and supersede the word of God. Nothing can. Because one day we're going to stand before the Father and we're going to give an account according to the word. God gave Jesus the authority to be the judge when we stand before him. Amen? He gave Jesus the authority and he is the living word. We're going to be judged by the word. Thank God the wrath of God has turned away from us. Thank God for that only through the power of the blood of Jesus Christ. But he's going to be the judge. 
And he's the living word, and it's going to be according to the word, plus nothing in our lives. And that's why we've got to be in the word. And I thank God for your pastor and the leaders here that teach the word of God. We've been places where it's not being preached because they want to make people feel comfortable. I pray that you're not comfortable at all this morning. I pray that you get frustrated and just like, who does he think he is? I'll tell you, I know who I am. Do you know who you are? You see, everybody's got to figure out their I am. Right? What I am called to. What I am according to the word of God. What I am going to give my life to. Everybody's got to figure out their I am. And when, once you figure out your I am, freedom comes. And you can be you. How many can't be who you really are? Because we're afraid. We haven't figured out our I am. Number one, he's our I am. But then there's so much that's involved in that that he wants us to do. And when we figure that out and we start to find out who we are, oh, such freedom comes. Because then you don't have to try to be something. You can just be you. And you're good at being you. You're a bunch of handsome yous. I don't mean that like female sheep or nothing like that, okay? But there are a bunch of handsome guys in here, all right? And you ladies are lovely. All right? <laughs> Sorry, fellas. I don't know why the thought popped up. See, some thoughts need to stay in your head. <laughs> Living proof. Amen? Contrast is to show differences when compared. If we compare our lives to those in the world, is there a, drask, a, dra a drastic difference? Is there a vast difference between the two? Contrast is to evince a difference that can be... Uh, that can distinguish meaning. Does your life distinguish meaning when it comes to how you speak? Is there a distinguishing mark between you and those that are lost or us, the church, as we're uh, in marriage, in what we put before our eyes, what we allow in our ears? Are there distinguishing marks where we, it's different? Because contrast will bring clarity, but is there a contrast between the world and the church? Is there a contrast between the way that we're living and the way that they're living? Is there a contrast the way that we speak and they speak? What we give our money to or our time to? Do we, is it a frustration or is it a time where, well, I guess I'll have to go to church. Let's get that over with. Check. I don't want to get there early for prayer. No, we're not checking that box. Now we're good. I'll just pray here. But if I've tried everything else and I don't want to do that anymore, the only thing I want to do is build the kingdom of God and I want to be in the presence of God and I want to run with those that are running for the Lord. That's where I want to spend my time. We had a meeting not, not long ago at the church. It went, it went long and <clears throat> I said, hey guys, at first I said, listen, I'm sorry it went so long. And then I said, no, I'm not. What else do we want to do? Except come together, agree with the word of God, spend time in prayer, build each other up in the most holy faith, and encourage one another to go out there and build the kingdom again. What else do I want to give my time to? A television? A motorcycle? A boat? Hunting? Fishing? Uh, Disneyland? I think that's about uh, coming, that's taking a dive. It used to be a family-friendly place. But what do I want to give myself to? What do I want to spend my time doing? I want to spend my time with you. I want to spend my time in prayer. I want to spend my time in the Word. I want to spend my time witnessing to people. I love finding people that don't know Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. It is so much fun when you start asking questions. Sometimes they get so angry, 
and that is a wonderful moment. You just talk, you know there's contrast, and now it's time to bring clarity. <clears throat> we went down to, uh, we were in Texas, we were coming back, and uh, we were flying on the plane, <clears throat> we were going, actually we were in Biloxi, and we were flying to Tennessee, and we're sitting there, it was during COVID, right, you're supposed to have your mask on, well, what I always did was I brought me a big box of wheat thins, and so I pulled my mask off, and I ate one chip at a time. Every time the stewardess looked back, I grab another chip. And I'm talking to this guy, he's a bass player from Nashville. <clears throat> it's me, I'm in the, we're in the, all the way back on the, the toilet seat, you know what I mean? On that back wall, doesn't move. Yeah, we're first class, and uh, we're on that wall. I'm on the, on the window, then my wife, and then this bass player. And we're sitting there, and everybody's got their mask on, and I, not me, I got one chip at a time. As long as you're eating, they said you don't have to wear your mask. I'm chewing on that like a mouse, man. I want them things to last the whole trip. So we're sitting there, we're talking to the bass player, and this lady across the aisle, all of a sudden she just pipes up and she says, excuse me. I said, yes, ma'am. And she said, uh, you're not wearing your mask. I said, I'm eating. And she said, you're talking more than you're eating. Now, we've been witnessing to this guy that's a bass player the whole ride. We're talking about the things of God, right? And I just grabbed another one. I said, I'm eating, so I'm not breaking any rules, ma'am. And I just kept on chewing on it. She said, if I could, I would throw you out the window of the airplane. <laughs> For eating a wheat thin? Times are getting tough in America, you know what I mean? I said, excuse me, because I couldn't believe she said it. And she said, I would throw you out the window because of the way you're taking a chance with my whole family. I said, I'm eating a wheat thin, ma'am. And we're about eight feet apart, you and me. And the guy playing the bass, he says, can I have one of them wheat thins? I said, yeah. <laughs> He's sitting across the aisle from me. He looked at her. <laughs> I, I know we had a little, but... Uh, <clears throat> Then we started talking more about the things of God. We just kept on. She called the waitress, or the waitress, yeah, the uh, stewardess back. And she came back and she said, well, as long as they're eating, they, we can't do anything about it because they're not breaking any rules. And she, she had some words to say to the stewardess. And <clears throat> so we landed. We're talking about missions. We're talking about everything that God is doing in our lives and through our lives. And this guy is so engrossed. We never met him before. He says, listen, if I get to New York, can I come and stay with you guys? Because you guys just sound like a lot of fun. Now, he doesn't even know Jesus Christ is his Lord and Savior. I was like, yeah, I'll give you my phone number, man. Stop in any time you want. We get ready to get up, and the woman says, um, I'd like to dangle an olive branch. I said, oh, yeah? Well, you, you've done, you sat there in your white privilege this whole trip. I'm like, lady, the toilet's right behind me. All right, I don't know about privilege, but uh, this isn't the seat I would be sitting in. That's what you said. You sit there in your white privilege, and you made decisions that were contrary. And maybe I made some mistakes, too, so I'm just going to hand an olive branch. I said, well, God bless you, ma'am, and have a wonderful day. And off we went. I'm not going to get into it. You can't win some of those. But contrast is going to bring clarity. Because by the time we got done talking about the things of God, all of a sudden she wanted to dangle an olive branch. Got convicted by what we were talking about because I know she knew the Lord. But yet, because fear was built into the mind, right? And, and all of that stuff, she just couldn't let go. And she's willing to throw somebody out of an airplane. <laughs> now, have you ever been threatened like that before? Yeah, me neither. 
<clears throat> if we turn in your Bibles to Psalms 111, in verses 5 through 9, I'm sure we'll have it on the screen. It says, He has given food to those who fear him, and he will ever be mindful of his covenant. He has declared to his people the power of his works in giving them the heritage of the nations, the works of his hands, and the verity of justice. All his precepts are sure. They stand fast forever and ever, and are done in truth and uprightness. He has sent redemption to his people. He has commanded his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. God made a covenant with those he knew would break it. God knew you were going to break the covenant that you made with him, and yet God made it anyway. How many times have we made mistakes and we broke the covenant that we said, Oh God, I'll never put nothing before you. Except that 2023 vet with the middle engine and uh, 7,000 horsepower, whatever they got now. Every one of us has been distracted by something. We said, Lord, I'm going to give you the rest of my life. I'm going to serve you. Lord, I'm not going to be distracted by anything else. And I'm never going to do that again. I made that mistake once. I'm never making that mistake again. And we made the mistake again. And we made the mistake again. And we made the mistake again. So God made a covenant with us, knowing that we were going to break covenant with him. But the wonderful thing about our God is he never breaks covenant with us. Amen? God is a covenant keeper. And he never breaks covenant with us. You know, if you look in the Old Testament, the way that they made a covenant is they would take that animal and they would cut it from the top of his head down, down through the middle and lay that animal open with all the blood right in the middle. And then two men would walk in a figure eight through that. And then they would meet in the middle. And the one man, he would take off his coat, his cloak, when they made a covenant together. He would take off his cloak and he would give it to the other man, symbolizing that all that I have is yours. From here on out, everything you need, I will supply. This is the kind of covenant, covenant that God is making with us. And he's already made with those that love him and <clears throat> uh, believe Obviously, in walking uh, the agreement that the blood of Jesus Christ is enough to wash away all of our guilty stain. So the first thing they do with it, God did was he gives us our cloak and he says, listen, I'm going to wrap you up in myself. I'm going to wrap you up in everything you ever have need of the rest of your life. I'm going to supply. It may look different. It's not every one of your wants, but he said everything you're ever going to need. Amen. <clears throat> and then after they, they went through that, then he would take off his sword and he would give it to the other man. And that sword meaning from this day forward, your enemies are my enemies, and I'll fight for you. And that's the God that we have. You see, this next 10 years, God's doing all the fighting. Because this next 10 years is not about us striving to become. It's enjoying who we are. See, the church a lot of times has been trying to strive to become something because we weren't sure who we were and what we had. But I believe that this next 10 years in this house, and I believe it's a time in America also, where the striving is going to cease, we're the ones that are going to sit with the Father, and all the Holy Spirit says is just do this one thing for today. One thing. He says, hey, just go repent to this one. Just go give to that one. Just go speak to this one. Just go pray for that one. And if each one of us would just sit and listen, and not try to, oh God, I didn't read enough. Oh God, I didn't pray enough. Oh God, I haven't done enough. He says, stop, 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 stop. I knew you were going to do this. But I've got a plan for you anyway. And it's a plan to make you prosper. It's a plan to make you victorious. It's a plan to change Marana. No matter what you've done, you're not going to change the plan for Marana. 
not in God's heart, in God's mind. Now it's about coming and surrendering to that. Why? Because we're going to have to start living a contrasted life in order to bring clarity into the world. Where we say we want nothing to do with the foolishness. I want everything to do with the king. And once we start surrendering to that, we walk in with all of his provision wrapped around us. His enemies become our enemies, and our enemies become his enemies. That's good news, isn't it? He takes care of every single one of your enemies. <clears throat> and it's not your mother-in-law, so get that thought out of your head. All right? He takes care of all of your enemies. <clears throat> he has given you authority over all, every single demon in the pit of hell. Every one of them. Every demon, no matter how powerful they are, are weaker than you. Amen? That's the authority he has given. Therefore, he's no longer given us a spirit of fear. He never did. But power, love, and a sound mind. <clears throat> the problem is, if we don't know who we are, we don't have something that contrasts our fear. We've got to have the word of God, because the word says, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. So that contrast now starts to destroy the lie of the enemy, because people used to build fear. I don't know if you used to watch scary movies. I watched one, and before I was saved, and I never watched another one. It terrified me. Hated it. It was Halloween when it first came out. Horrible movie. All my friends said it was amazing. I had never seen one. I was driving to have my, my 72 duster with three on the tree. <clears throat> I went to the movie. I come out of that movie petrified. I open up my car door. I lean that seat. I'm looking in the back seat. I open my trunk. I'm checking my trunk. I'm looking all over. I know somebody's in here. Somebody's going to kill me on the way home. I saw the movie. <laughs> Terrified me. We hunted all the time. That next hunting season, I'm walking out with my rifle, and I hear a noise. Son of a gun, they're here. I knew it. Never used to have these thoughts in my head. And then I hear this sound. And I'm walking through the woods, and I'm walking a little faster to my deer stand. And I got my rifle in my hand. I've been doing this since I was, you know, five years old with my father and stuff. And I'm walking through the woods, and I hear it getting louder. I'm like, what in the world? I've never heard this sound before. I'm petrified. I got the thought in the back of my head, you know, that this guy is going to come and something's going to happen. So finally, I just sit next to a tree. I'm petrified and I'm just sitting there looking and I'm hearing it getting louder. I said, something is just eating something alive in here. Finally, the sun came up enough and I look and I hear the noise and I put my scope up. It's a beaver chewing on a tree. <laughs> Cutting down a tree. I lost 45 minutes of my life in terror thinking that some monstrous thing was in the woods. All because I put that stupid fear in my head. It took the word of God to deliver me from that stupid stuff. But I swore I'd never look at it again. We've got to make sure that we're not putting stuff in our head that's contrary to the word of God. Nothing in our ears either, what we're listening to when it comes to music and people. Because we need to be those that have been built on the word of God, built with his covenant, the power of his blood, his Holy Ghost, leading us in a situation where we're no longer afraid. <clears throat> God never breaks covenant with us. <clears throat> what is it that has stopped you from walking in all of the promises of the covenant he has made with you? Is there something, what is it, what thought came that held you back from believing that every good and precious promise is yours? What experience 
has stifled preaching the word of God, praying for people you've never, never met before. See, this is where the church has got to get back to. That no matter where we are, if I'm running through the grocery store or the hardware store and i got to get tools because my job is very important and I bypass 10 people with their heads down, he said, you've been anointed to heal the brokenhearted. Amen? And it's easy to find them. But if my mission is to get in and out of there as fast as possible, and I heard one preacher say one time, he said, my best trip to Walmart is if I walk in there and I walk out without seeing anybody from the church. That's what a pastor said. And I was like, what? Are you kidding me? But he didn't want to be bothered. This is my time. I just want to go get what I want and get out. But how many have the same thought that what I'm doing is very important, what God's called me to do? That's, that's, that's for the preacher. That's for the teacher. That's for the evangelist. That's for the prophet. It's for each and every one of us. You see, we're going to have to live a, a life that's contrasting what everybody else has said and what anybody else has done. It doesn't matter how young or old. It's a moot point. God's got a plan and a purpose for each one of us. <clears throat> He's the one that established it, and he'll perform it in our lives. Amen? Because God's covenant, we became a contrast to the world. We see it, you know, every day in Disney and all that other stuff, destroying the very fabric of the company that was built <clears throat> in order to be family-friendly. We're seeing it where now they, uh, one church, they had a, uh, a drag queen uh, story time in the church. And then they built a room where kids could go and try on different clothing to see which ones they liked. Going on in churches. <clears throat> Not here. Uh, am I right? Oh, okay, just checking. You are right. Cain and Abel, we see the obvious uh, is clarity, you know, in the clarity of what is right and wrong. We see Saul and David. John and Judas, right? John, the one that Jesus loved, and Judas, the one that loved what Jesus produced. And so there's a contrast that comes when we speak. Everybody knows where we stand. And this next time, this next season that we're stepping out into, God is preparing you for something greater than you've ever experienced before. And we're not saying that as some hype or some word or anything like that, but it's a word that's being spoken around the world. Yeah. Talking to pastors, we just had a guy in from, uh, from Guatemala. We built about five churches down there. Our church has taken teams of 48 kids at a time, go down there for 10 days, up in the mountains for four days at a time. No running water, just drinking water and all the food they can drink and just tearing down the old uh, thatched rooms and, or the buildings and stuff that were churches, pouring the concrete and building the churches that, with metal roofs and stuff. He came in and he said, God's doing something different. We were sitting here talking, driving in the car. I said, yeah, he's getting ready. I said, can you hear the rain? We had a prophetic word, uh, one of the prophets that we work with pretty closely. And he said, listen, there's a time of rain coming. He said, but some people won't hear it. Some people will miss it. How many wished, or how many people do you think missed Azusa Street when the Holy Ghost was poured out? Because they said it wasn't God. They sat back in their arrogance and in their pompousness, and they said, that's not God. People acting like that. I don't know how people are supposed to act when the presence of God fills the house and things are out of control for months and weeks. <clears throat> but I believe God's getting ready to do that now. <clears throat> talking to a, another friend of mine in India. He said, God's doing something different. God's doing something different. People are coming into the house. We've had a huge influx of people we've never seen before. And I believe that's happening here. It's about to come. 
It's coming. Can you hear the rain? But we're going to have to live different than the world. When they walk in here, we can't, it's not about talking about the things of this world. It's talking about how God delivered, how God set free, how God healed, how God is able, how God is a father like no other father. 2 Corinthians 6.14, it says, Do not be bound together with unbelievers, for a partnership is righteousness with lawlessness, and what fellowship has light with the darkness? We're supposed to go out and win them to Christ. We're supposed to go out and pour our lives into them. But we're not supposed to be hanging with them every minute because we know the clean rag and the dirty rag. But some Christians I know, they say, well, I really don't have any Christian friends. We need, some, we need to do some work on the heart in that one. And reminded what Smith Wigglesworth said. He responded when people asked him. They said, Smith, <clears throat> how do you feel? He said, I don't ask Smith how he feels. I tell him how he feels. <laughs> That's contrast. That brings clarity. Amen. How many times it's all about feeling? Good Lord, are we in a time where it's all about feeling right now? Whatever you feel, you are. Right? Our kids came home and they said, hey, we got kids in the school. They're, they're called furries. I don't know if you have that down here. But they feel, like a, they feel like they're a cat or a dog. They call them furries. They don't have to answer the teacher. They can purr. <laughs> they can wear a tail and ears and everything else. They do not have to answer the teacher. And my son went past him and was like, <laughs> to the cat. He, he almost got suspended for barking at a cat. That's what dogs do, right? <laughs> now, a dog can't be a dog if a person wants to be a cat. That's just not fair in my personal opinion. But this is what, all because that's how I feel. Look at if that comes into the church, I'm out. I'm out. Any of that foolishness comes into the church. You know, there is no such thing really as transgenderism. It's just a word that they made up because of how someone feels. Can we agree? Amen. I feel like this. It doesn't matter how bad you mutilate it. You're still who God created you to be. There's two, male and women, male and female. And that's it. Just because they call it something different, I have one word for them. No. Yeah. This is who I am. Nope. This is what you call me. Nope. This is where we're going to walk. I'm going to call you what the Word of God says. And you know what it's going to cost us in the future? Yeah. Are we willing to pay that price? But until that contrast comes, clarity isn't going to come. Because if the church backs off and says, I don't want to get in the middle of this, brother. You don't want to get in the middle of people dying and going to hell thinking they're a furry? You don't want to tell a young man that he's a man and he's supposed to be leading a family at one time? Right? What's the name? Jenner becomes what? Female of the year or something like that? Completely moronic. <clears throat> you look at the girl that... Her and uh, Lee, whatever the guy's name, Leah Thomas, whatever, swimmer. And him and her both tied at one of the meets. Exact tie. Boom. They got up and she said, all right, now who wins? And they said, uh, well, he gets the trophy. Or she gets the trophy, the guy. She said, why is that? They said, for a photo op. She said, I've been swimming since I was four years old. Now I've been reduced to a photo op. Is the church going to say no? Or is the church going to sit there? Oh, I'm afraid. We've got to live in a way where there's contrast. Because that's the only way to bring clarity into these young kids that are being lied to. That are being demonized by TikTok and everything else that's out there. Being destroyed. The church, the body of Christ, this house, over the next 10 years, has got to bring contrast because you're the ones that are bringing clarity. 
Doesn't matter what anybody else says. You say what the Word of God says. Yeah, but Pastor, you don't understand. It upsets them. Uh-huh. It upset me too when they told me. I was offended. I still get offended by the Word of God. It tells me that I can't do what I want to do. That's offensive. What do you mean I can't do what I want to do? Well, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. What are you kidding me? I can't do... Ah, man. <clears throat> James 4.1, it says, What is the source of your quarrels and conflicts among you? Is it not the source? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your own members? <clears throat> We've got to walk together in unity, each body. We had a couple of churches here yesterday for the men's meeting. That's my cry. Churches coming together, standing on the word of God, encouraging one another, not competing with one another. That's right. That kind of contrast will bring clarity also to the world. When we start to build up those other men that are standing in the pulpits and preaching the word of God and saying we're so thankful for them. We're so grateful for them. Whether they have 50 people or whether they got 5,000 people, it doesn't matter. If they're preaching the word of God, I want to go and encourage them. I want to go and remind them, hey, stand. When you've done all, stand. Don't back off. Can I tell you? It doesn't matter if you're a preacher or not. In your house, stand on the word of God. Right. Stand with your children and do Bible study. You know, we have... We have our three older kids are 33, 31, and 29, and then we got an 18 and a 15-year-old. And uh, we learned some things with the first batch. <laughs> we did some things different with the second batch. You know, and every morning they get up, they read from 6 to 6.30. 6.30 to 7, they get ready for school. 7 to 7.30, we do Bible study. 7.40, they walk out the door. And can I tell you, that half an hour with them every morning with just me and my boys and my wife and my boys <clears throat> sitting there has completely transformed the relationships differently than the first three. First three, we didn't have any money. I was working two jobs. We weren't around, right? And I made excuses for why I didn't have time to sit with them as much. They were still in church. They were still doing what they... But the relationship is different because we said we're going to bring clarity to what the Word of God says. <clears throat> and then where we're going to build from is going to be something that's strong and it's not going to be able to move. And I'm all done making excuses. And we've been doing this for quite a while with our boys. And can I tell you, when we stop making excuses as men and women, the body of Christ, or the, the, the world starts to change and they start to be swept into the body of Christ because of the power of God that lives in us and through each and every one of us. We've got to bring contrast. We've got to look different than the world. We've got to dress different than the world. We've got to speak different than the world. We cannot succumb to what the world says, this is what you will do from here on out. We've got a guy that's over in Iran, working in the underground church over there. Spent quite a bit of time with him over a couple of days. <clears throat> he had to hide out in his house. Not his, somebody else's house. He spent a year and a half in one room and a bathroom. Nothing else running for his life because they found out he was a Christian, preaching the word of God underground in Iran. A year and a half in a room and a bathroom, and somebody else would bring him food. He never left the room for a year and a half. But he kept writing stuff and preaching the word of God while he was in there. <clears throat> he came out finally after a year and a half. The pressure came off, and he went back to training men and women. Him and his wife, she's from Iran. He's a, a kid that was, grew up a Muslim over in uh, in California, and then he got saved, and five years after he got saved, he said, I'm going back to Iran to preach the word of God. His parents were Muslims and said, please don't, they'll kill you. He said, I have to, God's calling me to Iran. Ten years later, 22,000 men in his life groups, 
all underground, can't show their heads. His wife is discipling 10,000 women. If he can do it through them, they can, he can do it through us. Are we willing to lay down what we have, live in a room and just keep writing the word of God, not giving up, not saying, oh, it's too hard. Oh God, you expect too much. How come, what if I don't have time to lay by the pool and work on my tan? We don't have a pool, but um, we haven't had any sun since November. <laughs> C.S. Lewis said, you can't change. You can't go back and change the beginning, but you can start where you are and change the ending. And I believe that for each one of our lives here. Listen, it doesn't matter how many or how few. I don't care about numbers. I care about the hearts of men and women. And God wants to bring this house to a place where you contrast the world so much that you're going to walk and people are going to understand how to love their wives as Christ loved the church. <clears throat> Those young girls are going to go out, when they're out there, they're going to find out, I want a man that treats his wife like that. I want a wife, the men are going to say, that treats their husbands like that. I want to walk in that kind of a freedom. What brings that surety? It's the clarity that comes when contrast against the world. When we speak about the ones that we're married to in a, in a loving and a kind, encouraging way. I sat with a family and a wife and the husband, I was counseling them and they said, oh, we can't wait till our kids, till our kids get out of our house. I said, you say that again and I will slap you right here in the middle of counseling. And they said, what, what is your problem? My problem is those babies were spotless when you got them. They are what you trained them to be. And now you don't want the gift that God has given you? The one thing that we get to do, bring eternal beings into the kingdom of God forever. And then we get to watch, walk with them. And listen, none of us get out of this unscathed. None of our kids do it all right. We understand that. It's not about who did it right, who did it wrong. But it's about loving them through it all. Because my God's loved me through it all. And I was a basket case in jail a whole bunch of times. Almost got thrown out of the military in basic training. You're not supposed to leave the base. You're not supposed to drink. You're not supposed to get in a privately owned vehicle in basic training. A buddy of mine was working at the hospital. I got in the car. We had a 12-pack. We went off base. Came back, and some guys helped me in the bed, and I slept it off, and nobody caught me. Otherwise, I would have been thrown out of the military. I go to tech school. I get arrested. They throw me in jail. I go to Guam. I get arrested. They throw me in jail. I go to Mississippi. They throw me in jail a couple times down there. Mississippi's a rough place. But, uh, you know, I've never been in a fight in my life. Never. So God took a basket case that was afraid because his father was rough, <clears throat> that was insecure, that never wanted to stand in front of people. But he loved me so well that I couldn't help but do what he wanted me to do. I didn't want to do this. But his love overpowered me to the place <clears throat> where that brought clarity into my heart. That my father in heaven filled the voids that my father on this earth was leaving. And he brought me to a place and he said, I'll never leave you. I'll make a way. I gave you a wife that you didn't deserve. I'm going <clears> to... <throat> I'm going to show you that even with all of your faults and all of your weaknesses, people's lives are going to be changed. He loved me so much that it buckled my knees. And I said, I'll serve you wherever you want me to go. 
and we've we built a church in Livingstone, Zambia, several in India, several in Guatemala. I was with Jack in Iraq, Jack Harris over in Iraq and Egypt with Jack. And <clears throat> God has opened up the doors to go around. We, we worked at an orphanage in a church over in the Philippines. It didn't matter. Wherever God's called us, Zimbabwe and, and, and South Africa, he's opened up the doors. Can I tell you, when we believe God loves us that much, when we buckle our knees and we just say, Father, whatever you want, life becomes such an exciting thing to live. It's when we fight against God and we push against him. That is where the problem comes in. But the contrast from the life that I was living to the life that I'm living now, to the marriage that we have now compared to the marriage my parents had, nothing like my parents' marriage. Every curse was broken the day that I accepted Jesus Christ. But then it took me eight years to get to a place emotionally where I could could forgive my father. God restored my relationship with my dad. I led him to Christ. I water baptized him. I give him a hug and a kiss. Tell him I love him. None of my siblings do. All because of God's love in my life. Then he gave us five kids, you know, and number nine grandkids just born. Number ten's coming. Travel around the world, building the kingdom of God. Not because that was my plan, but because he loved me so much I couldn't do anything else. That's what we have to get to. Realizing he loves us so much, I can't speak about anything else but the word of God. <clears throat> Luke twelve fifteen. he said to them, Take heed and beware of covetousness, for one's life does not consist of the abundance of the things he possesses. You know, the Americans are pretty much along the lines of get all you can, can all you get, and sit on the lid. Because it's all about he who has the most toys wins, right? And unfortunately, some of that snuck into the church and They've taken God's provision and they've taken it too far and saying, I get to have anything I want <clears throat> for the flesh. In Galatians 5, 17, it says, for the flesh sets its desires against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh. For these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things you please. We don't like to hear that. That's offensive. But in order for this area to be changed, we're not going to be able to do the things that we want to do. We need to do the things that we were called to do. And when we fall in love with the Father and we understand the Father's love, everything changes. And then it becomes a piece of cake to build the kingdom of God. Amen? One last scripture. In 2 Thessalonians 1, 11 and 12, it says, To this end also we pray for you always, that our God will count you worthy of your calling and fulfill every desire for goodness and the work of faith with power. So that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you in him according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. This is about us glorifying him. This is about us laying down our lives. Wayne and Michelle have laid down their lives for the last 10 years. I don't think it was his plan from the beginning to start a church, to plant a church. But once again, the love of God has compelled him to do something different than what he had planned on. What is the love of God compelling you to do? Maybe you're to work with the youth. Maybe you're to work with the children's church. Maybe you're to be a missionary. Maybe you're supposed to be the evangelist. Who's the one that talks to everybody? Don't raise your hands. Because then the pastor's going to call you out. But who's the one that can talk to anybody in in the supermarket? If you have a great freedom to talk to people, yeah, you're supposed to be talking to people. People in the past have said, can you just stop? And you said, I can't. 
I can't walk in anywhere without finding somebody to talk to. I just love people. I love hearing about their stories. I love hearing about their lives. And you know, the one thing that the church has to get better at is asking questions. Do you ever find somebody that didn't want to talk about themselves? <laughs> Never. Somebody asks you, hey, where'd you come from? Well, let me tell you. I started off in here, and we lived over here, and then we went here, and we did this, and we had this children with child. And I remember back when I was six, and I got a little red flyer wagon. Okay. <clears throat> People love to talk about themselves. So if the church gets better at asking questions, John Maxwell said, the man or the woman that asks the right questions controls the conversation. We got to get better at asking questions. Because when you ask questions, you get to hear hearts. When you get to hear hearts, you get to bring healing. Because when God's word starts popping in your heart, everything starts to change in their lives. Amen? And I believe that the, the rain is coming. And God has prepared this church for this time and this season. He's built relationships, but it's coming. More is coming. Amen. Not people, but the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God. And what happens then is people start to come. Because everybody starts doing their job. Everybody starts to touch somebody's life. Amen?